about to tell you is going to change the life of everybody on this planet. Who took Agent Mulder? Something else is going on here. Am I the only one who thinks that? And what did he bring back? I abducted him. The X-Files. Oh, my God. An all-new episode, Sunday at 9, 8 Central on Fox. Okay, let's see. No, please don't kill me, Mr. Ghostface. I want to be in the sequel. I like to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. I am the eater of wolves and of children. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. spooky installment of the greatest October in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. This is episode number 161, The X-Files Season 6, Episode 21, Field Trip. Very exciting. How long has it been since the uh, visit of our friends Mulder and Scully? Way back in the eighth episode of the show, February 19th, 2016. We did a season four episode called Home, and that episode of our podcast was 33 minutes. Wow. <laughs> I have a now feeling this will be a little longer. Yeah, we struggle to keep it under an hour. I mean, it almost <laughs> feels like something we can't even do at this point. An hour? Yeah. I don't I don't think this will be under an hour. Yeah. Um, it'll, it'll, it won't be too long. I think thankfully. I probably talked about it way back then. I don't really want to recommend people go back to listen to that episode, but I've never really seen The X-Files all the way through. I've definitely watched a bunch of episodes randomly, but after I watched this episode, I've just kind of been watching it from the beginning recently. Now, it goes back to that thing that we talked about a little bit recently, like with the West Wing. How the hell did TV work back then where it's just like so many episodes? Right. But I I am in on the X-Files in a big way. Yeah, I think I've seen probably most of the initial run, and then I watched about half of the first comeback season and then i yeah. i did not see i haven't the heard second comeback season good things about the comeback seasons from who it just seems like people weren't really in on it maybe i'm wrong. i don't know i think it got like decent reviews okay i don't know it just you know it's another one of those things. well you obviously weren't in on it enough to stick with it yeah but there's countless things okay. like that in yeah. my life <laughs> doesn't mean i like it or don't not like it it's right just, you just you know, give you move on yes yeah, so we are doing a season six episode, which is probably towards the tail end of people like really being into the show. You know, not that wow. there aren't any bright spots. Even though there's like spots. five more seasons after this? Not at the initial run. There was seven, eight, and nine. Okay. And the last season, or more? I can't even remember. Like Mulder's barely in it. Yeah, that's true. I think it's the last season Robert Patrick is in it. Right. Mostly. So wait, that ended at nine. Yes. And then there's been... 10 and 11. Okay. Yeah. Not that there weren't any bright spots in those last couple seasons, but I think the first five or six seasons is like the real core How far into it was the first movie? I think the first movie came out in 97. Okay. So that would have been before this. Yeah, yeah. All right. This episode aired May 9th, 1999. I probably would have been getting ready with my nerd friends for the phantom menace oh yeah which i think was probably like a week after this i don't remember watching this one when it initially aired i was probably like hit or miss on that i mean i was still pretty young i was like a freshman in high school so it's not like i had really set in stone tv habits sure yeah (laughs) plus they moved x-files around a lot when i was doing research on this and listening to the fox promo ad Okay. It said it was airing Sunday, which I know it had aired wow. Friday, probably back when we did season four. 
episode home. I think that was an, a Friday episode. So All right. it jumped around. But it remained fairly consistently popular, right? Or was it yeah, always... I mean, enough to keep getting renewed for I know, but it, when you think about shows airing on Fridays, it's like... I think that's where it started. And okay. It, that, it was one of those shows that had a very loyal, dedicated fan base. And I guess it, no matter what, yeah, if you're, if you're pumping out 20 episodes a season, I mean, you have to be maintaining popularity to stay on the air. Yeah, and the numbers that X-Files were, were pulling in would be, like, astronomical today. Yeah. Oh, right, right. <laughs> there just I wasn't mean, the content yeah, out I mean, there to compete. This episode was down from back when we did season four home, which I think was the second episode of season four, which I think drew like 19 million viewers. And I think this was like at around 14 or 15 million viewers. Yeah. Which is a lot. Nuts to even think about. Yeah. So follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod. Subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, everything else. Look, we know that nobody has seen Blood Harvest. Wow. And that yeah. was the last episode. Know. And now we're following it up with a TV show, which also is not as really yeah. popular as some of the movie choices. But if you're a little disappointed, don't worry. The last two episodes of this year's Greatest October are two huge heavy hitter all-time horror movies to get excited about. Yeah, and listen, Zach's already shared with me some of the plans for next year's Greatest October. Yeah. Oh, that one's going to be a good one. So if you felt shortchanged <laughs> this year, just stick around, hang well, with it- us one more year. I think when we started this out, we were talking about this is the fourth time we've done this because wow. we did this in yeah. 16, 17, 18, and now this is 19. I don't even think we really took the choices seriously till probably 2018. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the one year we ended up doing The Fog and Psycho 2 as like a combined episode because wow. we had a, <laughs> Those had a are, recording malfunction. Yeah, Those are both deserving of their own episodes. Yeah, I mean, I don't think... We're shortchanging anyone with this greatest October. I think we've yeah. just brought up our own expectations over the years. I okay. mean, there really wasn't that much thought put into the first couple. So everyone calm down. Yeah, please. <laughs> I think this has been a pretty good slate. We tried out something different. I'm sure you know, a lot of people would have preferred something else over Blood Harvest, but hey. I don't know. I think there's some good stuff in that Blood Harvest app <laughs> if you just stick with it. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you have to take our word for it that it's worth listening to, even if you have no right. idea what the movie is. <laughs> So this episode, Field Trip, was written by John Chaban and Vince Gilligan from a story by Frank Spotnitz. That's right. Was directed Vince Gilligan by of Breaking Kim Manners. Bad fame, of course. <laughs> yeah, I think people know who he is. Oh, gotcha. Directed by Kim Manners, who is actually a man and is also dead. Okay. <laughs> well, well, thanks for that. This episode is another standalone, quote-unquote, Monster of the Week episode like the last one that we did I, I don't think we'll ever do an x-files episode that isn't a standalone monster of the week style but one of the interesting things though is that this episode teases that it may yeah. be a part of the larger alien mythology okay but it in fact isn't right yes and it was funny because i've been watching some of the episodes with Lindsay, and you know i was calling out the cigarette smoking man sure and yeah. then like you know it'd pop up in later episodes she'd be like oh the man who smokes cigarettes yeah <laughs> now this particular episode was the penultimate episode of the sixth season and it has a weird connection to an episode from the previous season called bad blood which is about vampires not oh, okay. the taylor swift song and oh, that would be interesting that episode presents a similar idea to the one explored in this one except more in a comedic way in bad blood we are told the events of what happens from Mulder and Scully's perspectives one yeah, at yeah. a time and it's more like humorous how different they are right and what the, their version of the events is this takes that idea and kind of twists it and makes it more serious there's not really as much humor yeah. in this episode this was a cool episode and it almost felt kind of long to me it, it felt like they were able to squeeze a lot of content into it that's one of the hallmarks of well-written tv there is make it feel like a whole complete story with a lot less time than a movie right This episode has an examination of their traditional roles, the eternal skeptic in Scully versus the true believer in Mulder. And at one point, it kind of flips it, which is also interesting. True. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I like about the X-Files in general is it kind of feels like it's borrowing from Twin Peaks a little bit, the idea of like FBI agents investigating supernatural uh, cases. But then also it, it feels like the Scully character kind of brings like almost a Clarice Starling type presence to the role. Kind I, I, I kind of get like a little bit of a, a Silence of the Lambs vibe as well. 
Sometimes, yeah. She's definitely an iconic feminist character. A lot of girls look up to Scully. Going through and watching it, there's definitely there's definitely more humor in the show than I think I would have associated with it as a younger person trying to watch it. Yeah, there's definitely some levity to it. They love to play on the will-they-won't-they they vibe. Oh, yeah. Which, over the course of all of these seasons with... 20 plus episodes per season it can kind of get old after a while it doesn't really follow the same rules of like modern television which would have given into it by like season three right yeah <laughs> like it was content with just doing the same stuff over and over again because for as great as the x-files is a large percentage of it and in my opinion the best percentage of it is a straight up procedural not that different from like csi or law and order or something yeah. Like, it's very self-contained. They show up, there's a mystery, True. they solve it, or whatever, it resolves itself, and then that's the end. Next episode, start from scratch. Sure. I was actually, like, getting a little bit shocked, thinking to myself, it feels like it would be really hard to do 20-episode seasons and keep coming up with new ideas for this type of stuff. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like there are times where they're sort of doing episodes that are similar to ones they've already done, but still... Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of original ideas you have to try to come up with that feel like they fit into this world. And then every now and then they fall back on the alien overarching storyline with Mulder and his sister and the whole thing. And it's not like none of those episodes are good. A lot of them are very good, but it's harder to approach that with a podcast that is just going to be a one and done and then we're going to move on to a whole new topic. Yeah, yeah. This is our monster of the week. Yeah. This episode, Field Trip, is very much an episode about the X-Files itself as a show. The construct of it, the relationships the characters have with each other, how it works. Very early on in the episode, Mulder refers to the perfunctory dance that they do every time. Oh, yeah. It's very self-aware, almost. Sure, and I feel like the two characters sort of make these self-referential jokes about their relationship every episode, too. Yeah. Not not like the sexual relationship like or like the will they will that thing, but like their whole like professional relationship. What Mulder's role is and what her role is. Yeah. Well this one I think is more noteworthy because it calls it out specifically in a yeah. way that the audience would view it and say it almost different from how the characters themselves would experience it. It's almost like why are <laughs> why are we wasting our time again with the same thing? We know how this is gonna play out. It's almost acknowledging some of the fatigue some of the viewers might have with the setup of every quote-unquote monster of the week episode yeah like why are we wasting our time pretending like we're not going to investigate this why are we wasting our time pretending that Mulder's probably going to be closer to right because that's just how this works sure it wouldn't really be an episode if nothing was happening that wasn't worthy of an X-File. For sure. And I mean, if you were seeing this for the first time as a fan watching this show week to week, I mean, this episode certainly takes some turns that could have thrown you and been like, wow, I can't believe this is going here. Yeah, I mean, there were a few episodes that I considered picking for this. We knew that we wanted to come back to the X-Files eventually. It made sense to finally do it for a Greatest October episode. I googled all different kinds of things like scariest episodes, best episodes, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. So there were a few candidates. I don't think that this is really the scariest episode or anything no, like no. that. But it's interesting to me because it creates all of these alternate realities. We don't know what's real. It's reminiscent of things that we've talked about with Twin Peaks or Inception or things like that. And I will say that the cold open of this episode is actually pretty awesome yeah. and pretty creepy. I'm glad that you picked this episode because I'd never seen it and I really liked it. So this obviously gave me an opportunity to experience this content that I had never seen before, but also it did feel like an episode that stood out. The whole approach to it, it was just like a unique way of presenting the content of the episode, but I, I felt like there was some straight up kind of like unnerving moments or stuff that really took me by, by surprise. The cold open being effective is something that the X-Files often excelled at. Usually pretty good at setting something up and then giving like a creepy little cliffhanger that went right into the opening credits and the opening theme song. This particular cold open is probably the most chilling portion of the episode where you're like, oh, wow, that's kind of creepy how they did this. And it gets less scary as it goes along and it's more... A mental game of trying to determine what's happening and why 
But we start in Boone, North Carolina. We meet Wallace and Angela Schiff. Right. Both of these actors are people we should know. Recognizable, sure. Wallace is played by David Denman, who played Roy from The Office. This would be about, what, like six years before well, The Office started? Do you want to know what I looked up? More time has passed from the end of The Office till now, from this episode airing to the premiere of The Office. And yeah, just I mean, barely. I, b- I would believe that. Okay. It's actually just <laughs> barely. So when did, the, when did The Office end in 2013? Yeah. I think. So it's been about the same-ish. Yeah, right? it's very about close. About six years. Right. Yeah, it's just weird because I never noticed the guy that plays Roy from I guess anything like, pre-Office, and this is six years earlier. For some reason, like, yeah, I know, and he definitely looks younger and trimmer, you would sure, say. Sure, yeah. But I guess, like, for me, when I think about the X-Files, I think about the 90s, and when I think about the Office, I think about the 2000s. Sure, yeah. And but So it's sort of weird to think the gap really isn't that far apart between the two. Yeah, and it makes sense because... Roy definitely looks like he's in his 30s even when The Office starts, but like you don't think of it like that. You're yeah. like, well, I didn't recognize him when The Office started, so that's the beginning of his career. Right? He wouldn't even exist in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't even been born yet. And then our, our female character here... Robin Lively plays Angela Schiff. Yes, Angela Schiff. I, I recognized her immediately like as saying, I know who this is, but I'm like, what the hell do I know her from? I had to look it up. But yeah, the the thing that I know her from is Twin Peaks. Right. Is that yeah. what, is that really the only notable thing? She was in Karate Kid Part Three. Okay. So in other words, not that I, people are super familiar with that, but yeah. like she had been in movies, although probably starting more in the so than Twin Peaks for some of our listeners. Yeah, I mean, she had just been around for a while. I mean, yeah. She was in a lot of movies and TV. I think she still works and stuff. But, but also a, a relative of Blake Lively. I thought I saw. I did not see that, but that's yeah. cool. I'm pretty sure that's listed on a wikipedia <laughs> i can confirm yeah she played the young wife of that old guy in season two right and got involved with him and his brother and yeah yeah it's kind of like this idea was her name for like lana or something something like that and she had this allure to basically all the men that were ever around her yeah and she looked a lot younger in the twin peaks days obviously well, this it was is like seven o- years earlier yeah yeah but. i was gonna say close to closer to yeah i was gonna say 10 years but yeah i guess it was like 91 to 99 or something like that. So the couple return home after a day hiking in the fields. Angela's annoyed. I did appreciate the casual usage of P.O.'d. Blake Lively, by the way, listed as Robin Lively's half-sister. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so a casual use of P.O.'d we have. That felt very of another era. You never yeah. hear people say P.O.'d. No. Wallace is like, why are you so PO'd, baby, or whatever. <laughs> I was just like, okay. But she's annoyed because he, you know, he was running ahead and leaving her behind a little bit. Oh, she yeah. was kind of just not having a great time hiking. She gets this headache. She's like, all right, I'm going to get in the shower. Immediately something's wrong. She keeps having this headache, and then she has these yellow goo visions. Yeah, I don't the, really know the how yellow to describe goo doesn't them. look great. I think there's some times in this episode where I'm really in it and I'm kind of feeling slightly chilled about what's going on in certain scenes. But anytime the yellow goo is involved, it has Well, this goo does not look nearly as bad as when some of the stuff starts melting away later. True. Oh, that looks horrible. That is like straight out of Secret World of Alex Mack. Yeah, it's like a 90s video game for your computer or something. But the yellow stuff on the shower doesn't look that bad. That might even be real stuff. Okay. Real, then real yellow goo. The cut to her where she's obviously in some sort of distress, it's mirroring like she's in the shower, but then she cuts to like being in some cave with like the goo dripping down her skin's like all red and stuff oh, and yeah. she's screaming. That's like a legitimately creepy moment. It looks pretty cool and you don't know what's going on. And then it cuts back to her being in the shower and you're like, Well, what the fuck is that? Like, oh, what's right. happening? Angela and Wallace curl up together in bed. They're in each other's arms. That's sweet. Seems like everything's okay, but then it cuts to skeletons in an open field in the same position. Now, when I first saw this, I was like, what the hell does that mean? Because obviously we get the implication that it's the two characters, but I'm like, how did they go from being in the hotel to on the ground here? I know. That's why it's awesome. You're just like, whoa, what the fuck? And I think it's a perfect start to a mystery. Yeah. Yeah. How did this happen? What's going on? This is great. All in. (laughs) The case, of course, makes its way to Mulder. He reveals that the bodies were found as these skeletons after 
Angela and Wallace had only been missing for three days. Yeah, so, so that doesn't make any sense right, right off the bat. Kind of a expeditious decomposition of these two bodies. Sure. Scully's initial reaction, of course, is that it seems as if it was a double murder, possibly one with ritualistic overtones, and this will become a refrain throughout the episode. Well, yeah, because I mean, they're basically like, there's no like natural cause that would get you to sure. go to skeletal form that immediately. Yeah, and they don't have their clothes either. Right. And she says this could be done by boiling or the use of some kind of acid solution, which will right. again be another refrain throughout the episode. Well, yeah, and also it's like, you know, this is something that Vince Gilligan would go on to use in, like, Breaking Bad later. Sure, yeah. I was researching the origin of this episode a little bit. It seems to have come mostly from that Frank Spotnitz guy, but there are a lot of different iterations of it, and he eventually just turned it over to this John Chabon and Vince Gilligan Okay. To put together, and I guess they fleshed out like the final version. But at one point, it was just going to be Mulder, and then it was like both of them, and it was in a cave, and then you know it was just like different things. Yeah, where it ended up though is is so cool and different. Playing with like what is real and the the hallucinations and all that stuff. It's it's a lot different from where it started. So you can see how these things kind of snowball into like a fully formed idea. You know, sometimes it pays to have a whole writer's room. It's like it is nice, yeah. Spitballing ideas, True. and then you end up somewhere completely different, but it's still super interesting. People uh, calling the house of buys. <laughs> so Mulder tells Scully about the skeleton's proximity to a place called Brown Mountain, and he tells her about the Brown Mountain lights. Is this based on some story? I wasn't familiar with this. I do think that Brown Mountain is real. I don't really know much about the brown mountain light stuff okay i'm sure it is taken from reality i, I, I would mean, think it seems like most of the other episodes are sort of incorporating some urban legend or some you know like i, I just watched an episode about the jersey devil being involved oh, yeah very early up. oh yeah <laughs> all right i'm gonna read a little bit of back and forth dialogue that i thought was pretty funny and it it, it kind of sets up where their relationship is and how that factors into the story and right. where this all goes so Mulder says Brown Mountain, Scully, that doesn't ring a bell. She says no. Brown Mountain Lights, it's a famous atmospheric phenomenon dating back nearly 700 years, witnessed by thousands of people back to the Cherokee Indians. Strange, multicolored lights are seen to dance above the peak of the mountain. There's no geological explanation, no credible scientific explanation at all. Scully says, and what does that have to do with these two? (laughs) Mulder, well, as I said, there is no credible scientific explanation, but there are those of us that believe that these strange multicolored lights are really, she cuts them off and says, UFOs, extraterrestrial visitors from beyond who apparently have nothing better to do than buzz one mountain over and over again for 700 years. (laughs) Mulder says, it sounds like crap when you say it. (laughs) I thought that was pretty funny. (laughs) Yeah. When you talk about this whole, like, like, will they, won't they storyline, it's like you kind of get, like, this hesitation because it feels like dealing with Mulder all the time with this stuff would be, like, a little bit of a beatdown. He's kind of like a smart ass about the whole thing. But I don't really get Mulder's hesitation at all. You got Scully, like this sexy, nerdy scientist chick. I don't yeah. know. I would be 100% in. I don't know. I mean, eventually, I think they have a kid and all that stuff. And oh, they're okay. together. Yeah, well, in the I knew she was movie. pregnant in the series at some point. I didn't know that he's the father. Well, I don't know if that's their kid or not. Oh, okay. It might gotcha. be later. I'm not super up on all of like the the more recent developments i know in the second movie that they were together i know some x-files experts so i'll have some conversations by the time the reboot started they're not together anymore oh boy so i don't know if they're like divorced or something i'm not really sure well you can see it would be it would be i feel like Mulder would be tough to deal with but he says hasn't he earned the benefit of the doubt to this point which you would think yes yeah plus I mean, I don't want to turn this into like a whole battle of the sexes, sexist type argument thing. But I mean, isn't he calling the shots here? Yeah. I mean, I what, when he brings up a case, isn't that what they're just going to do? I know. So why is she even fighting it? I well, don't yeah, know. And it's like, it is a little bit bizarre, the idea that their whole professional goal would continue to go on because it's like, I guess it's just like this balance that she's never really able to fully disprove any of this stuff. And that she's just there. It's not that she's supposed going. to disprove what he's doing. She's supposed to like keep him grounded and yeah. like based in someone in reality and not let him like spiral. But it seems right. like they have forces that fight for them too. Like I think Skinner, he's oh, like yeah. they're a ball buster, but he 
is the one that like fights to keep the X Files open at various points and True. and is kind of their guardian against other forces that want to shut them down. So their relationship is complicated for sure, but I think she's basing her takes on things in science and data and all that stuff. And she's more emotional and gut reaction type stuff. Right. But I don't think she's like necessarily out to just disprove it. No, yeah, I guess. Well, she brings a healthy skepticism to it. So they go down to North Carolina. We start in the morgue. Mulder and Scully are shown pictures of Wallace and Angela. Which I was thinking while watching this too. I'm like, man, they must be like racking up frequent flyer miles. They're getting around a lot. Yeah. Sometimes it seems like they drive. Well, that's true. I bet you they were getting very good like hotel rewards programs as well. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like it would be a fun job to have. I was thinking that too. For a while, although it would probably get old at a certain true. point. Unless you were just like 100% pure passion like Mulder and it's like you're never going to stop. I was like, if I could just be an FBI agent like investigating like strange paranormal cases all the time. I feel like I'd be pretty happy with that. That's the thing, though. If the situation ever got real, I would be, like, running away. You know what I you mean? You would like, think after some of the shit that they've seen that they would just have severe PTSD and right. just not be able to do this anymore. Exactly, yes. <laughs> but they always seem to bounce back pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, that's the thing. I mean, it does go back to his whole, like, don't I deserve some benefit of the doubt? It's- you were abducted at one point, Scully. Right, yeah. She's, like, immediately <laughs> going back to, like, none of this shit is real. <laughs> Mulder. It's all science. Her skepticism's never even dented. No. (laughs) She always stands firm. There's a yellow substance covering the underside of the skeletons. I would say it's recognizable from the opening. It looks a lot like what Angela was seeing in her visions there. The coroner attributes this slime to bog sludge. Doesn't seem to really think it's a big deal. It's just bog sludge. I was like, what the hell is that? Just goo. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, it was found in a swampy area. And I'm like, no, it wasn't. We saw where the skeletons were. It just looked like Middle grass. of the field. Yeah. <laughs> and then when they go there a million times later in the episode, I don't see anything that looks like a swamp at any point. I, I wasn't buying this bog sludge theory for a second. Mulder's going to check out the scene where the bodies were discovered while Scully will stay behind to perform more tests. So we go with Mulder out into the field. His car pulls up and we see him run over a patch of mushrooms, which seem to release some spores out into the air. Okay. Something's up then. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you would notice it the first time you're watching it, like the first time, not until it happens to Scully later. Would right. you be okay. like, oh, well, wait a minute. Am I supposed to pay attention to that? <laughs> he finds some of the goo and then pretty quickly spots a man who appears to be Wallace Schiff. When Mulder calls out to him, Wallace takes off running, and then there's a little bit of a chase, and and then he crawls into this little cave. Which seems like there wouldn't be a lot of depth to it, right? No, and the depth and the size of this cave will come up later, too. Yeah. Which, not that it, you have to be some... I'm not okay. bragging about this. It's not like you have to really be that perceptive. But they do throw like little things in there, and they're pretty obvious, Yeah. so that the viewer can start to pick up on that things of like well this isn't matching what we've already seen okay right that, or what we've been told well and, it doesn't make sense that this guy would be alive since they've confirmed his dental records right meanwhile back at the morgue skelly learns that the yellow substance mainly consists of organic material found in digestive juices okay although it does appear to be plant-like which is also kind of confusing yeah i wasn't liking the phrase digestive juices either yeah sounds gross Stomach acids. Yeah, I was getting it. I just don't like it. The coroner all of a sudden is like, well, we have had some previous similar cases. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess... Bodies completely dissolving? I I guess you can excuse it because those were people that were missing for longer periods of time. Okay. So when they were found as skeletons, it wasn't as suspicious, I have heard like some weird shit before about like flesh-eating bacteria, just like completely devouring people. Sure, although that's not a plant. No, I know, but it's just like the idea of, I don't know, like whatever's going on with like these people that are becoming essentially just skeletal remains. Yeah, although it doesn't explain the clothes. You're right. Which also you would think the coroner would have picked up. I don't know. I'm trying too hard to defend this coroner, I guess. Well, the biggest defense and the thing that he says is that there were no red flags raised because those people 
were discovered after missing for long periods of time. Okay. Whereas the shifts raise red flags because they're only missing for three days. It doesn't make any sense why there's skeletons. Right. But this revelation sends Scully into high alert because we know she already thinks that it's some sort of a crazy serial killer that is dissolving the people in acid. Yes. Back at the cave, Mulder is going deeper and deeper. So once you get into that little entrance, apparently you can stand up and it's huge and it just keeps going further and further into the rock. Yeah, I wasn't getting look from the outside. Yeah, not really. Looks like a huge cave, but right away there's some bent reality going on, which should be like a red flag to the viewers because the cave seems to close behind him at one point where he turns around and the way that he was just coming from is now rock. Yes. So it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Finally, he tracks down Wallace, who is very afraid, and he keeps talking about they, and he talks of abduction. Wallace seems like pretty confident, though, in his story here. He talks of the skeletons being a forgery, a yeah. fake. This had me going down a path that I was not expecting at all. This idea of being able to like replicate their bones and obviously like their teeth for like the dental records. Yeah, the first time you watch this, you don't really know where this is going. This right. whole I did not pick up on this whole like mushroom spore thing, that's for sure. Right. And this could go in like any number of directions. So you're thinking, okay, so does this connect to the bigger alien thing? But I think if you take a step back and you look at it, and then especially when you watch it multiple times and then you start really paying attention, it's like everything Wallace is saying is like exactly what Mulder would want to hear. Oh, right. Yes. (laughs) Outside, Scully arrives at the scene. She's afraid for Mulder's safety. While walking around and calling out for Mulder, Skelly steps on some mushrooms that release some spores into oh the air. Yeah. So at this point, you've seen this happen twice. I would assume that this is enough to get your attention a little bit. Like, okay, maybe I need to think about what's going on with these spores. Yeah, it wasn't enough for me. Yeah, I mean, that's understandable. I don't don't really remember the first time I watched yeah. this episode what I was thinking. It's been a while. I think once I started to realize, once you get some shots later on, that's indicative of what's actually going on. I was thinking that the goo was what was having the Sure. Effect. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That's probably where I was at the first time as well. I doubt I really thought too much about the spores. Inside the cave, the passage back out is suddenly reopened after Mulder talks to Wallace. It's like flashing lights coming in. Yeah, Wallace attributes this to the aliens who he says are now affecting Mulder's mind and get him questioning reality. So this is like the first introduction of the idea that what the characters are experiencing is altered in some way. Well, this We've wor- seen it a little bit with the cave closing, but now yeah. Wallace is actually saying they're messing with your mind. This is a good place to introduce it because it kind of works because you are like, things aren't really making sense. But this is sort of a way to explain that away. Yeah, and also we are told that Wallace and Angela are dead. We are shown evidence that they're dead. We've already got something going on with the goo. We know that something weird was going on with Angela when she was having those visions in the shower. Yet here's a character up walking and talking, telling us what happened. It's true that it matches a lot of what you would think Mulder would want. But, I mean, no one's really watching TV thinking like that probably. Right, yeah. At this point, we just have to take the characters at face value. It's sure, like, well, I mean, he's saying this stuff, so feeling off kilter at this point. The cave shakes and a blinding light comes in through the cave. Convinced it's the aliens, Wallace takes off further into the cave. However, at the entrance of the cave, we now see Scully shining a small flashlight into the entrance, and so clearly something is not adding up. Mulder's experiences are not jiving with what we're actually seeing on screen now. Yeah. That huge flashing light is not there. There's a tiny flashlight from Scully. Clearly, something's off. Right. Between two worlds here. And so this is why I chose the episode Messing With Reality. As I mentioned, I think that there's some echoes to things we've talked about in previous episodes. And although the episode itself really peaks in scariness in that cold opening and it never really gets anywhere near that again it is an interesting mind-bending experience that really you i would say in modern tv you can't really even try stuff like this just because well this was at a time where it felt like you just had so many episodes so like being experimental and doing something that's what i mean just something that you could throw into the middle now i feel like everything is much more contained to like 
let's have one main yeah driving storyline that we want to start at point a in the beginning of season and get to point b and a lot of the writing is all serving that storyline i mean you might have a couple runners in between that they're throwing at you but the idea of having like random time to just go be experimental and do something weird i think is kind of fallen out yeah it's just an exercise or an experiment it seems to work probably better than they would have expected i don't know i mean maybe they expected this to go well but it seems like a shot in the dark kind of a thing and it it turns out to be a highlight and i think this this episode is held in pretty high regard in most x-files circles i think there are some detractors that kind of goof on the main quote-unquote villain of the episode which we haven't quite okay yeah that's fair i do think i mean that does feel a little hokey but i think although it is I mean, as they point out, I mean, it is kind of based on real things. I mean, it's yeah. not exactly. I mean, they make it way more scary and I think the idea is fun. But it's, it's fun. Scully sees footprints going into the cave, but none coming out. But as we'll find out later, this cave is not big, so she's confused and not really seeing it, not really seeing where Although someone could be. Although the truth about how big it is, I mean, it must. Where they end up, like, being pulled out from underground... Well, we'll talk about that as it happens. Okay, okay. I think the one thing that we'll learn later is that neither Mulder nor Scully's version of what's happening is real, so we don't really have any idea what the cave is actually like. Gotcha, yes. Back inside, the supposed alien threat seems to leave abruptly. Mulder and Wallace then discover Angela now lying on the ground as if she was just dropped off. Oh, yeah. I will say when the episode started and then these two, like, obviously, as we spoke to both recognizable actors for you and I, I was a little bit blown away that they were both out of the picture so immediately. And I was like, oh, that was it for Roy. You were like, oh, this is like Tom Cruise and Angelina Jolie. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, how could they only be in this beginning? Exactly. <laughs> as if by 1999, they were both weren't desperately trying to be oh, on any show right. possible. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it took Roy six more years to land another gig after this one. Yeah, as if being Roy in the office <laughs> means he's like fucking Indiana Jones right. or something. Yeah. Angela recounts her abduction, and this is just more music to Mulder's ears at first. This is everything that oh, he I know. wants. It's like a checklist of everything he would want and expect. I do feel like he's reacting to it in a way where he almost can't believe it, though. Yeah, yeah. and that grows over time. Because he, he, yeah, even in this initial moment, he even describes what she's saying as textbook. However, he's getting hung up on the skeletons in a way that, like, he typically right. wouldn't when he's all full of fire and, not, you know. Oh, yeah. Going off right, about to go. his theories. The bright light returns, but this time, against Wallace and Angela's protests, Mulder walks into the light. He heads straight yeah. for it. This was kind of a weird, abrupt thing, too. Like, that now it starts playing with, like, your concepts of time and space. It's really kind of jarring for the viewer to be thrown into all these different things. Because oh, true. Yeah. later, Scully just arrives at Mulder's apartment back in D.C., and you're like, what the fuck is this going This completely on? threw me off. She's annoyed. Mulder left North Carolina without telling her. And then he calls her and tells her she needs to get to his apartment as soon as know. possible. At this point, I was watching it. I, I think I was still, like, believing it a little bit. Like, I, I think I was still along yeah. for the ride at this point of like what they're just showing you. She recognizes Angela and Wallace sitting on Mulder's couch. What the fuck she you doesn't do really know what here. to think. Yeah. Scully is told that the remains were just decoys, but the revelation that the shifts are actually alive is not even the headline here because Mulder Yeah, this is a abducted huge a gray. Joke. Wow. <laughs> yeah. An ET, an alien, whatever you want to call it, and there's a telepathic communication going on. And the weird thing here is how right after Mulder shows Scully the alien, how they start to switch roles. Yeah. I she love immediately is like, you were right all these years. Oh, yeah. You were right. I love this part. And maybe this wasn't these people's experience. It's hard to go back in time and see how this was. But I would think if you're a big X-Files fan and you've watched it all along and you're kind of falling for what they're doing with this episode, this is like a very big moment. Yeah, I think probably to the mo- the more astute X-Files fans, they probably... We're already putting it together. Like, there's skeptical. no way this is real. Yeah, yeah, it was like too big and too True. fast and, and... A crazy... Out of nowhere. Yeah, and it's just like, it's also only like 20 minutes into the episode. 
And this would have been like the biggest reveal they'd ever done. Plus, people were thinking back to the goo. True. And the spores and the skeletons and everything. Like, something's not quite adding up here. Yeah. Although there are a certain amount of viewers that are pretty gullible. Yeah. Okay. Mulder becomes a skeptic, even after Scully is seemingly telling him everything that he would ever want to hear from her. Yeah. He's bringing up all of the little issues. He asks about the goo. Scully's answer is not consistent with what we, the audience, know that she's already learned. Right. Because the coroner came back and told her, these are the digestive juices, this has the plant thing in it, blah, 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 blah. She just says they were nothing. (laughs) They were bog sludge. I know, right. And I think that was one of the parts that really... I know we just saw an alien, and that should have been it for me. But I do think when she says that it's just this sludge or whatever, I'm like, okay, I know for sure that she heard the explanation from the coroner and was like, that ain't right. Yeah. So at this point, you know, it may have taken me a minute, but I'm finally figuring it out that this is not 100% not happening. Mulder then starts to show signs of a headache. He has some goo visions. He sees goo coming out of the sink. We're reminded, of course, about Angela from the beginning. That's right. It really seems to be Mulder's intimate knowledge of the nature of his partner that wakes him up and shakes off his hallucination. Because eventually, after seeing the yellow substance, much like Angela saw at the beginning of the episode, Mulder awakens in the cave, the one where he followed Wallace in earlier, and he's covered in the yellow secretion, and he's being digested alive. Exactly. Right. And what I'm saying is that connection between Mulder and Scully being so strong and him knowing her so well, and this hallucinated version of her not matching with that yeah. is what's shaking him out of it. It's almost like if, if when you're having a dream and something so absurd happens in the dream, sometimes you suddenly become aware that you're dreaming and True. then you wake up well, at that's that point. What I was going to say, this, it's kind of the weird part about this hallucination, that it is happening in a dream state. They're yeah. kind of like out, you know what I mean? It's not like they're actually walking around right. this cave hallucinating. Yes, So now it's Scully's turn. We'll see her story. Back outside the cave in the original area, Scully and the coroner are searching for Mulder. Scully notices the yellow goo coming up through the ground. Now there are tracks going in and out of the cave. Scully, at this point, describes the cave as not much more than a hole in the rock. Yep. So, of course, that's inconsistent with what we've seen. We don't know what to believe at this point. Then they really throw something at you. Shockingly, they discover Mulder's skeletal remains. Wow. <laughs> so Mulder at this point, picture. you're like, whoa, okay. Well, I doubt that they would kill Mulder off in such a cold, <laughs> off-camera way where we just are seeing his He's skeleton. skeleton. <laughs> so this clearly, clearly something's up here. I don't know what we can believe anymore. Right. They ID Mulder through dental records, but... It's pointed out there's no yellow substance on the skeleton. And at first, when I was doing these notes, I was like, well, wait, what point is there to not have the goo on there? And then I realized as it goes, because it's going to fit with what Scully's initial theory was before they had ever even gone down to North Carolina. Can we go back to something for a second? When they're in Mulder's apartment and he's like talking about how there's a gray and he abducted it. Yes. I was thinking to myself, like, this seems kind of nuts. Like, they're explaining, like, these aliens are, like, abducting these people and, like, doing experiments. And, like, obviously, the running story over, like, Mulder's sister and what happened there. And, obviously, these aliens that are involved with the shifts are, like, setting up decoys of skeletal remains of people. It it just feels like, as a human being, you wouldn't try to physically abduct one of these things. Or if you did, you wouldn't be able to. Right. Like, it it seems like it would be a hard operation to pull off. Yeah, there's not really any explanation. How he did it? He's just got, like, a net. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think intentionally so. It just cuts from him walking into the light, and then all of a sudden he's in his apartment with the alien. Okay. And it's kind of like how your subconscious can fill in the gaps when you're having a dream. Yeah, that's true. Because sometimes you'll be like, all right, well, I'm working at this store, and then I'm driving in a car, and then I'm going to this place, and then I'm meeting this person. It all happens right. in a matter of like seconds yeah. somehow. Yet in your mind, it somehow all it works. Is, you're not aware that it's speeding up too quick. And okay, 
You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It's just that part gave me pause. I felt like I had to touch on it. When they discover that there's no yellow substance on Mulder's skeleton, the coroner starts using phrasing when speaking with Scully that matches her phrasing. He's talking about simple explanation, true, logical, and he says he thinks it's a murder, one with ritualistic overtones. And he yes. talks about the boiling and the acid solution. He's basically parroting right back into her face, which she had said earlier. And she's like, are you kidding me? Does this even make sense? At FBI headquarters, Skinner completely accepts Scully's report. He is fully buying the ritualistic murder idea, and now she is not. She's, like, confused. She doesn't know how to stop this wheel that's in motion. It is very dreamlike, where things are just happening, and you you don't seem to have any effect on making them stop or or changing them in any way. Again, this is another role switch. She begins acting like Mulder and thinking like Mulder. Did you ever see 1408 with yes, John Cusack? I did. There's like a part in that movie where you've been exposed to what's going on in it, and you know that so much of this stuff isn't real, but then you hit a certain point where you think that it's sort of ended, the, the situation that he's dealing with. And then he like lives out this sort of like his life for like two months and then all of a sudden they just like bring you back and you realize that he was trapped in this thing the whole time yeah i was kind of getting like a similar feel in this episode yeah that's true 1408 is kind of an underrated movie i prefer the the short story it's a stephen king short story okay but yeah i thought the movie was still pretty good though. i liked it yeah i haven't seen it though since it was in the theater it's been a while for me as well i watched it on dvd the first year it came out but certainly haven't seen it on blu-ray okay now, all of a sudden, we're at Mulder's Wake. There's definitely a surreal quality to I it. I love this scene, actually. It's taking place at his apartment. Right. <laughs> yeah. The lone imagine gunmen are that. there. Yeah, like, if imagine you're Wake being here. <laughs> <laughs> Where everyone's just standing around being like, why are we in this shitty apartment? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. I would just be like, I'm taking that Spring Breakers poster. Yeah, I, I love this whole thing with the lone gunman. Their whole thing is they're these sort of comical, ridiculous conspiracy theory guys that Mulder will go to occasionally or whatever. Yeah. And I love their interaction with Scully is just like amazing because they're just like, <laughs> we've conducted our own investigation. We're going to get this guy. And she's like, oh, good. So you guys realize that something's off here. And they're like, what are you talking about? It's clearly murder. Yeah. They concur with her findings, and much to Scully's surprise, they are fully buying the ritualistic murder story. Her frustration and rage is just building in this scene. Her words are being repeated again and again to her, and all of a sudden, she has a headache, and she's getting some yellow goo visions. Scully starts losing her shit, and Skinner tries to calm her down. He's telling her that she needs to go home and get some rest while she's screaming in his face. Oh, right. Turning yeah. the wake into a real scene, as every wake should be. <laughs> Just a memorable scene oh, yeah. of people losing it. <laughs> they are interrupted by a loud knock on the door. Scully answers the door, and Mulder walks through the door and oh, yeah. into the room, obviously still alive. Right. And T- this is where things sort of get kind of murky for me. I guess Mulder is now they're having this like shared subconscious moment. Yeah, I think so. Okay. It's definitely later they are, but I'm not sure. Okay. We don't think that that started yet. I don't know. Potentially. Turning around, all of the people at the wake have vanished. At first, Mulder is talking about an abduction, just like the shifts, but it doesn't take long for Scully to start poking holes in this story. Oh, yeah. Like, how did you get here? Why did you knock? This is your apartment, (laughs) which I thought was really funny (laughs) because as a viewer, I I didn't even think about it. Then when she points it out, you're like, yeah, wait a minute. Why did he knock? Well, one of the parts that they point out, which didn't add up to me either, is I think Mulder at some point talks about how like this is supposedly digestive juices, but we don't have any burns or marks on us or anything, which. Well, that's not yet, though. That's not. okay. but that's one of the things that he points out when he's trying to poke holes in logic. Right. But at the end of the episode, that is true still. What? That they still don't? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they look a little rough. Okay. Because I saw that pointed out on like IMDb under goofs. Oh, okay. I I don't know. You were okay with it. Yeah. We don't know what kind of like skin grafts or anything that they had after. It's kind of hard to tell. ended in the hospital. They didn't go overboard with trying to make them look 
Because, like, th- sure. there's some holes in their clothes, but, like, not really. And, I mean, I guess it would depend on how long they were down there, which yeah. is still kind of unclear. But That's a good point. We don't know. There's a lot know. of unknowns. Scully starts figuring it out. She uses the word hallucination. That's the first time anyone in the episode has said it. And she traces everything back to the field. She somehow remembers the mushrooms and the spores. And she talks about how certain spores and mushrooms can have hallucinogenic qualities. I made a note to myself. I was like, next time I watch this episode, I'm going to pay attention for that. She talks about giant fungal organisms, some that can be acres big. Oh, wow. But the thing that is weird here is the connection of that with the carnivorous plant life. And using the hallucinogens to lure the victims into the cave and keep them complacent while being devoured. That kind of an idea. So there's a jump from these huge fungal organisms to plants that eat flesh like the Venus flytrap or some of the other things. There's really no actual connection in reality between these things. But that's why it's an X-File. I guess it's kind of this unknown new thing. Yeah. I guess there's some sort of supernatural connection between these two. Or, well, yeah, I mean, it's more like science fiction because it's like, it's not necessarily something that's like completely made up. It's based off of like a couple of things. It's like an an as of yet undiscovered species of these things. True. Okay. Yeah. As the realization occurs, Mulder and Scully awaken deep in the cave and Mulder fights his way out of the ground, dragging Scully behind him to safety. So they come up through the ground. They seem like, okay, also seems everything's nuts. good. The amount of, I don't know, will, strength it takes to get <laughs> from underneath the ground. Yeah. It's a crazy scene, and it feels like an ending. You're like, okay, True. you're looking at the clock. You're like, uh, it seems like we're about to be at the end. It, I buy this as an ending, but I, know, I think it's cool that they throw this <laughs> added little thing on here, I which agree. is kind of unexpected. Because I totally was thinking that we had seen a lot to this point. Particularly, like the, I, I feel like I remember like the Mulder's Wake feeling like kind of a long scene. Sure, yeah. Shortly after emerging from the Earth, when our two heroes are giving their findings to Skinner back in D.C., Mulder begins to question reality. Did they escape? How were they able to just will themselves awake and get out? He's starting to think this doesn't add up. What drug loses its effects once you become aware sure. that you're on the drug? That there is no such drug. That doesn't. You can't just will yourself out of He's something. He's making a lot of good points. It's shades of Mall from Inception. Oh, true. Yeah. <laughs> He's all of a sudden sitting on the window I, ledge, I, killing himself. Yeah. But I was starting to think the same thing when we get to the real end of the episode. Yeah, it is one of those things where it's kind of like Inception, where you're yeah, like, right. well, we no longer can tell anymore what's real or yeah, not real. Yeah, and like really, Mulder and Scully just like died in this cave. Could have been. were digested by these digestive juices. And If you live the rest of your life, ever. though, in other words, the season seven, eight, nine, and then the, the comeback seasons, and then the one movie, if you just continue to have that experience, then what difference does it make? I guess. That's a good point. <laughs> like if you're dead and you were eaten by a mushroom, <laughs> but you still had all these other things happen. That's and, true. Yeah, and you thought it was real. like living. <laughs> in fact, some would say it's better. better. <laughs> so he's freaking out in the office. Scully's not on board at first. Skinner's like, what are you talking about? And then he has a pretty extreme method of proving his point. <laughs> I know. I was thinking to myself, like, boy, if if you're not right here, this could really fuck things up for you. Mulder shoots Skinner three times in the chest. Yellow goo oozes out, which prove that he's right. Okay. The surroundings once again melt away. And, of course, they are still down there. They're still being digested at this point. Do both come to at this point or just Mulder? It seems like Mulder, but barely. Because all he really does is poke a little bit of his hand through the dirt and somehow... Skinner's already there on site. Yeah, so you think that they've probably been down there at least like a day. Yeah. But you have to go back. And the couple was killed after three days. Well, Mulder first started his hallucination when he drove up and got out of his truck. Because that's when the spores were coming. And then... Scully's hallucination started when she stepped on the mushrooms. So pretty much everything that we've seen where either of those characters were in at a certain point was not real. Sure. So how long do you think that coroner would wait to 
alerting people that they were missing. I don't know. I, I guess since Scully used his truck, maybe he, he would yeah. be like concerned right away. I don't know. That's a good point. That's fair. But I mean, Skinner still has to make the trip to North Carolina. Yeah. Okay. The rescue team with Skinner pulls Mulder and Scully out, and as they are loaded up into the ambulance, they begin to hold hands as the ambulance drives away. It feels like this rescue team wasn't doing a very good job, though, because like they're all walking around the area where they are, but like, but they I, couldn't but make why would they know where they? How would they know? Well, were the footsteps there? It's unclear how they actually got into the ground. That's true. You don't think it was actually through this cave opening? I don't know. It seems okay. like if it was, that somehow it was closing itself back up so that you wouldn't see it. I guess, yeah. And they were all wearing the gas masks, which I guess they somehow figured out to have, which I still I, don't even know how they would know. That's a good point. A lot of questions going yeah, on here. that's true. <laughs> well, that's why Skinner's the boss. I picked this because it deals with an uncertain reality. I love the role switching between the two when they're in yeah. their hallucinogenic states. Mulder becomes way more skeptical like Scully and Scully becomes way more passionate and emotional and not relying on what would necessarily be the most logical answer. Absolutely. I do think this is a great episode of this show and television in general. It's an examination of what Mulder and Scully each want out of the world in which they live and and want out of their job and want out of the X-Files. And it's kind of a unique presentation of that. So that's why I picked it. Sure. I'm happy with it. Probably not the scariest. There's some ones even from like season one that are actually more horror related that I can remember. But this one was on a couple of different best of lists and it really just jumped out to me I when I loved, gave it a chance. Uh, and I was like, yeah, yeah we'll do this no, one. I'm glad you did. I really enjoyed this episode. I always like diving back into the X-Files. It's just a fun show. I mean, really just like a pillar of pop culture history. You yeah. Know, at some point in my life, it is on my short list of things to do and actually make it through this whole show and be able to have some awareness of what the entire Mulder storyline is that goes on throughout the show. Yeah, it's always uh, fun, too, because you catalog. can watch it for like a few weeks pretty consistently and then you can take breaks from it and sure. fall back in. It's always like a nice comfort show to watch. All right. So do you have any recommendations for this episode? What are you doing? What? What? Vincent stopped making picks. Well, how am I going to know what movies to see? We have a wide variety of Gene picks. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. Okay, I have two. This is a, a weird one. It's a music one, actually. Okay. But I just got the album, and I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if, how many people are interested in this, but I love this for the fall. Twin Peaks Season 2, they released like the music from that. I got it on vinyl, but they released it as an album, and it's just all the show music. Like, not really, they've had different soundtracks for it, and this is all just like the background music that they use right. for the episode. Like the score. Yeah, and it's just all of this slow jazz stuff, and then sort of the upbeat stuff, and then like the that like love theme that builds like back into like the main theme of the show. Right. And I, it's just like such a great record to put on during the fall. The ambiance from it, I, I just love it. Is that available to stream as well? I would think. <laughs> we may need to do some research. <laughs> okay. And then the other one that I have actually just because, you know, we're recording this a couple days after Robert Forster passing in the Criterion Medium Cool. Criterion Collection Blu-ray. Okay, yeah. 1968. Just a cool movie. A very young Robert Forster in it. It's like that cinema verite style or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, directed by Haskell Wexler, I believe is the director's name. I watched it a while ago, but it's just, it's kind of a cool movie. It takes place in Chicago, a lot of like documentary style filming of Chicago. And I love Robert Forrester. I- I'm sad about his passing and it's just sort of a cool movie. So I thought I'd throw that one in there as well. Yeah. I, at the end of the very, very end of the, the Blood Harvest thing, there's a little oh, uh, good. Robert Forster clip of him talking. I haven't made it there yet, so I'll look <laughs> There's forward a lot to of that. little extra clips at the end, so you have to wait. It's the very, very last thing at the end of the Blood Harvest thing. Yeah, it was it was kind of like a weird thing because you know, I, I found out about it Friday night, and it didn't really affect me that much. But then when I woke up Saturday and was like reading some more stuff, I was getting like really sad. <laughs> 
It is sad. It's it, for some reason there was like a delay. Like not that I wasn't sad Friday, but it didn't really hit me as hard. And then Saturday morning, I was just like really sad about it. Well, that's the thing. I mean, and we mentioned Vince Gilligan in this episode. And I still haven't watched the the new Breaking Bad movie yet, but he has a part in it, and that will now be, uh, yeah. I guess, like his last appearance. So. Yeah, he appears in my favorite television show of all time, Twin Peaks. Uh, he was in The Return Season 3, and he's in one of my favorite movies, Jackie Brown. That's right. Same, yeah. So, yeah, he had a big part in my uh, pop culture life. So my one recommendation will be Schitt's Creek. Oh, wow, okay, yeah, absolutely. On Netflix. They just, it's not a Netflix original. It's its from Pop. David. The, to- <laughs> the television <laughs> channel Pop that like Creek. no one has. Yeah. But most people know it from Netflix because who the fuck knows what pop is? Sure. It's mostly a Canadian show. They just added season five onto Netflix. Okay. I think they're only doing one more season. I haven't even watched all of season five yet because I wasn't able to watch that last year when it was actually airing because I don't have cable here. So I'm still experiencing five for the first time right now currently. But all four previous seasons are great and they're all on there as well. And I think it's really caught on, probably starting with like season three or four. It had been around for a few years. I don't think that many sure. people knew about it. And then it, it really gained in popularity once they added it to Netflix and people started finding out about Absolutely. it. It's really funny. It's Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara, Eugene Levy's son. And Francis. And I Francis, one of the hottest chicks of all time. Yeah, and I love, I think, is it Twyla, Eugene Levy's daughter? Yeah. I love her on it as well. Twy. Yeah, it's a fun show. Yeah, I, it is. It's great. If you haven't watched It's Creek, I, I would definitely recommend that as well. All right, so I think that'll do it for this one. We have two more entries in The Greatest October coming up this year, so stay tuned for that. I think one, the last one will be a special treat released on Halloween. Absolutely. So after that... It's going to be like our war and peace. We're going to take a little bit of a break in November. I'll reiterate that point in the next two episodes as well so everyone's on the same page but don't fret when you don't see a new episode for a while starting in november we're taking a break we'll be back by the end of november and everything will be back on track but you know we got to give ourselves a little bit of a breather after such a busy month right we (laughs) always take our yearly break in november well this is the second time okay yeah (laughs) we did it last year and now we're doing it yep all right so that'll do it for this one and we will see you next time to tell about this guy you all know me and we scared as hell he comes to me at night after i call into bed he's burnt up like a weenie and his name is fred he wears the same hat and sweater every single day and even if it's not outside he wears it anyway he's home when i'm awake but he shows up when i'm asleep i can't believe that there's a nightmare on my street If I remember it right And we had just gotten back off tour last night So the gang and I thought that it would be groovy If we summon up the posse and dumb rush the movies I got Angie, Jeff got Tina Ready Rock got some girl I've never seen in my life That was alright though cause the lady was chill Then we dipped to the theater set to ill Buggin' Cole having a ball and something about Elm Street was the movie we saw The way it started was decent, you know Nothing real fancy about this homeboy named Fred And this girl named Nancy But word when it was over, I said, yo, that was death And everything seemed alright when we left But when I got home and laid down to sleep That began the nightmare on my street my thirst i thought to myself yo this heat is the worst but when i got downstairs i noticed something was wrong i was home all alone but the tv was on i thought nothing of it as i grabbed the remote i pushed the power button and then i almost choked when i heard this awful voice coming from behind it said man 
wait to see who it was. Broke outside in my drawers and screamed so long, cuz. Got halfway up the block, I calmed down and stopped screaming. Then thought, oh, I get it, I must be dreaming. I strolled back home with a grin on my grill. I figured since this is a dream, I might as well get ill. I walked in the house, the big, bad, fresh friends. But Freddy killed all that noise real quick. He grabbed me by my neck and said, Here's my bill. We got a lot of work here, me and you. Souls of your friends, you and I will claim You've got the body, and I got the brain I said, yo, Fred, I think you got me all wrong I ain't partners with nobody with nails that long Look, I'll be honest, man, this team won't work The girls won't be on you, Fred, your face is all burned Fred got mad and his head started steaming But I thought, what the hell, I'm only dreaming I said, please leave, Fred, so I can get some sleep But give me a call, man, maybe we'll hang out next week on the shoulder said thanks for stopping by then i opened up the door and said take care guy he got mad drew back his arm and slashed my shirt i laughed at first and thought hold up that hurt it wasn't a dream man this guy was for real i said freddy uh how it's been an awful mistake here no further words and then i darted upstairs crashed through my door then jumped on my bed pulled the covers up over my head said oh please do something with fred my bed, but through the covers with his claws, tried to get me, but my alarm went off, and then silence, it was a whole new day, I thought, <laughs> I wasn't scared of him anyway, until I noticed those rips in my sheets, and that was proof that there had been a nightmare on my street. She left me, Barney, she walked right out the door. Yeah, well, my wife left me too. When did this happen? In October. That's when mine broke up. What is it about October? I don't know. Pressure of Halloween? You never know what to go as. Do you remember sweet Michelle? She was my high school romance. She was fun to talk to and nice to smell. So I took her to the homecoming dance. Then I tied her to a chair and I shaved off all her hair And I left her in the desert all alone Well, sometimes in my dreams I can still hear the screams Oh, I wonder if she ever made it home I tell you, those were the good old days Those were the good old days The years go by but the memory stays And those were the good old days And those were the good old 